0: Psalm 133 familiar to many The scripture says behold Behold that word itself means to look pay attention make take notice Behold how good everybody say how good, how good. My wife made some homemade strawberry ice cream Oh how good it's been. I think there's a little bit more left. I might even finish it off when I get home tonight. Oh, she may have finished it off. No, <laughs> i can't. She said there's quite a bit left. Don't get any ideas. No. How good. How good. Behold, pay attention, take notice, look. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell apart in order to keep unity. That's how we translate that verse sometimes. No. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. Everybody say together. Together Together in unity. What's it like? Tell you what it's like. The psalmist tells us what it's like. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. What's he talking about? He's talking about when Moses, under the instruction of the Lord, anointed Aaron to be the high priest of Israel. And he took oil, anointing oil, and poured it over Aaron's head. And he said, this is what brethren dwelling together in unity is like. He said, it's like this ointment over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and Went all the way down in his garments. Verse 3. It's like he's trying to describe so we understand how good and how pleasant it is. He said it's like the dew on Mount Ermine, Like the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Why? Because there. Everybody say there. There the Lord commanded the blessings. Now, this is interesting to me. I've misquoted this verse before. It doesn't say there the Lord commanded a blessing. You ever notice that? It says there the Lord commanded the blessing. This is specific. What's the blessing? Life. Forevermore. Anybody interested in life forevermore? Amen. I hope all of you are. <laughs> the Lord commands it when you dwell together in unity. That's not my words. Those are his words. He commands the blessing in the place of unity. I want you to pray with me tonight. We're going to go further in the word. But we need to get this into our spirit, what the Holy Ghost is wanting to do with us. Lord Jesus Christ... I need you. I need your word. You are not separate from your word. You are the living word. I pray, speak into our spirit as only you can. Write upon the fleshy tables of our heart, O oh God, by your spirit and by your word. Living word, come and live in us afresh and anew. Let us abide in You, and You, living Word, abide in us, I pray. Mark us tonight by Your Word, O Lord. Let us hear with an ear what the Spirit would say. Help us to receive all that You would have. Let there be no defenses, let there be no hindrance, let there be no distraction. And I pray your anointing upon these lips of clay and upon the ears to hear, that we would hear that which you would speak to us in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. And everybody said amen. Amen. Unity. Talk to you about that tonight. I've been stuck on this. I know I haven't talked about it on a Sunday night or a Thursday night recently, but if you were in men's prayer Three weeks ago, we talked a little bit about it, and if you were in all congregation prayer last Saturday, I think it was, we talked a little bit about it, and uh, we're probably going to touch on some of those verses again from men's prayer three weeks ago and from all congregation prayer last Saturday. I'm not trying to be a broken record the Holy Ghost is not letting me move from this. This has got to be more than intellectual understanding. We need the Spirit of God to write this upon our hearts. It's critical to the health And the growth of his church. It's critical. The reason the church in the book of Acts, he could add 3,000 souls is because they had unity. They were in one mind and one accord, they had unity. We need a spirit of unity. Now, I'm not sharing this because I think there is some groundswell of disunity. But I think we're going to see some things in the Word tonight that will... If if the Word even comes close to touching your heart the way He's been dealing with mine, He will illuminate some areas in our lives that we're like... Hold on a minute. I want the unity of the spirit. I want unity the way the word of God teaches unity. Because I want him to command the blessing. Amen. So this is critical. First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. It's interesting to me, as I've already said, we talked about this in men's prayer a few weeks ago, and then we talked about it, not this, but the in general, the concept. Uh, we talked about it in all congregation prayer last Saturday. Uh, Elder Flowers ministered from a different set of scriptures, but he ministered about unity last Sunday, or this past Sunday, just this past Sunday. and. Then I was connecting to the service in Puyallup last night, and Brother Ben Bass was taking a few minutes, and he began to talk about unity. I'm like, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to his church. And I want to hear what he's saying. Not only do I want to hear it, I want to receive it and apply it. I want to be a hearer and a doer of the Word, like we talked about a few weeks ago. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Watch. Do you understand every word in Scripture is important? Okay. So I want you to see this. Uh, I want you to pray with me again. You, you already know where we're going, or at least you have an idea of where we're going. So now with that understanding, would you pray again? And in your own words, would you ask God and give god permission by his word and by his spirit to examine your heart your thoughts and your motive tonight would you would you be willing to offer that to him and give him permission to do that if you feel like maybe you got a little defenses up you'd be willing to be vulnerable and drop those down say god i want this more than anything anything father I want unity of the spirit Lord more than anything. I want unity of the spirit because of what your word tells me about it, because what I see is a result of it because I want you and you are, you're a God of unity. You're a God of unity. I pray, let it be in our heart and our spirit. God, I open my mind to You, spirit to you, soul to you, father, search every corner of my heart and my thoughts, examine my motives. Lord, I want unity of spirit in every way in the name of Jesus. I want it in the body. I want it in your kingdom, the way it is in your kingdom, as you would order it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. See this verse here. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Hence the reason it's 1 Corinthians. I want you to notice how he starts. Paul. Called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. I want you to hang on that right there. This is so critical to the rest of the chapter, the rest of the book. Never seen this before. Was Paul a self appointed apostle? Did Peter, James, and John come to Paul and say, Paul, I'm appointing you as an apostle? No. Who called Paul to be an apostle? Who did? Jesus. So Paul had a calling on his life. Yes? Yeah. And where did that calling come from? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Was it the will of God? Yeah. Aren't you thankful for the word? Yeah. This verse is important. Paul was an apostle because he said, You know what? I think that sounds like a really cool thing to be. What do I have to do to become an apostle? Peter's an apostle. I want to be like Peter. I really like Peter and Peter gets recognition because he's an apostle. I'd like to be an apostle. Peter, tell me what you've been doing so I can be an apostle like you. Oh, I know humans would never do something like that. Humans would never try to be what somebody else is called to be in God rather than hear from God and be what God's called them to be in his will. See, this verse matters. Paul was not an apostle because he aspired to be that. Somebody hear me right now. Aspirations, if you have aspirations in the kingdom, you better make sure they're given of God and the will of God, not your self-pursuit. Talking about unity. You'll see. Paul started here. I'm an apostle. He wasn't bragging about what he was or who he was. He was declaring who he was so that they would recognize he was that because of calling. He had been called to something by the will of God. Every single individual that is born again of water and spirit has calling upon your life. Every one of you, if you've been born again of the water and the Spirit, you have calling upon your life. It's the will of God. He has a will for your life. I don't mean a destination will, like, when will I get to the will of God? I mean the will of God, a journey. We walk in the will of God, and it unfolds. We don't always know the end from the beginning, but when He calls us, He begins to lead us, and we seek to walk in the will of God. All right. I know I'm moving slow. We need to see this. All right. This thing shuts off too quick, but it keeps me in mind. So he declares that. Now, watch verse two to the church of God, which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So, in case you wonder who he's talking to, he's not talking to heathens that are lost. He's talking to the church at Corinth, those that have been sanctified in Jesus Christ. Notice, called to be saints. He started at the foundational level. You're all called to be saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you. And then he says, All these things. I thank my God on your behalf. Grace of God's given you by Christ. Notice verse 5 that in everything you are, notice, who's he talking to? Church, called saints, yes. He hasn't singled anybody out yet here. This is the church. These are all that are called to be saints. This is the whole church. Spirit filled, water baptized, you're called to be saints. In everything you are enriched by him. He didn't say, because I'm an apostle, I'm enriched by him. Maybe if you achieve certain status, you'll be enriched. That's how we think sometimes. He's talking to all that are called. In everything, you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Who are we enriched by? Him. Him. God alone. The Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. We are enriched by him. Him. Paul did not say, I am enriched because I'm an apostle. See how subtle that is? I am enriched because I'm an elder. Enriched by him. Enrichment, we don't have time for this Bible study tonight, but enrichment in your life and mine. Does not come from position, title, office, duty, task. Enrichment comes by him. No other way. Do we gain fulfillment at times through things when we're walking in the calling of God? Absolutely. But enrichment comes from him. Him. In all utterance. In all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift. In other words, he's not picking and choosing, like, oh no, you're gonna, you're a little bit behind. You're no, you should come behind in no gift when you're enriched by him. Doesn't mean we'll all have the same gifts, we'll all operate in the same gift, but we come behind. How do we not like see you see what Paul's drawing these these words seem? We just read over this stuff, but he's You'll see where he's getting to. He knows what he's doing. He's in the Holy Ghost writing this letter to the church at Corinth. He said, hey, I'm an apostle because that's what he called me to be, by the will of God, not my own doing. You're called to be saints. You're enriched by him. You should come behind in no gift. You're waiting for the coming of the Lord. He'll What? Notice verse 8. Who will confirm you. Who's going to confirm you? Who? I know this is simple, but we need to get this. Our confirmation in our calling comes from Him. Does God use men at times to confirm things in our lives? Of course. But there's a danger if I seek for men to be the voice that confirms before God. He'll confirm you to the end so that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to hurry. God's faithful by whom you were called. You see this? You're sort of seeing that Paul was writing about something here. Okay? Now, he said all of those first nine verses were introduction. But they weren't meaningless, courtesy words. They were foundational to what he was going to talk to the church at Corinth about. And if you don't get the understanding of those first eight verses... You won't fully grasp the importance of what he shares that follows. He dealt with them about calling, confirmation, enrichment in their life, gifting, and not coming behind. By not coming behind, that means I'm not behind anybody, nor can anyone be behind me. We're together. We may be walking in different giftings and callings. See, all this was foundational. Now watch, you'll see, verse 10. Now, everybody say now. 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 So he laid all that foundation and he said, now let's talk. That's really what you're going to see. That's really what he's doing. Now you got all this. Now let's talk. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak The same thing. You guys are all going, when are we going to get to unity? I beseech you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is my prayer. This is my prayer. God, by your grace and by your spirit that dwells within us, may we have no division and may we be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same child. No division. Perfectly joined together. According to your desire, God. Not the way I think it should be. But the way you have ordained it to be. Unity of spirit. This is my prayer. For you and for me. Now. Watch verse 11. Paul says, For it has been declared to me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say. See, he's addressing all that. He started with what he said about calling and enrichment and confirmation. Then he said, I'm beseeching you. He said, here's why I'm addressing this. Someone's told me. He was even very clear. Came out of the house of Chloe. That was somebody they would have known that was respected. Most likely Chloe was somewhere where a group of the church gathered in in like a house church. So he wasn't calling out Chloe. Like, Chloe came and told me this about you. He wasn't mixing words. It's been declared to me of you that there are contentions. That word contention means wranglings like this. There are contentions among you. Now, this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I have Christ. Verse 13, he asks a question in relationship to all those statements Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What's he talking about. Let me read those verses to you in a different translation, if I may, please. This is We's literal translation or expanded translation. I'm reading verses 10 through 13. Here, listen, please. Now I beg of you, please, brethren, my appeal to you being enforced. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg of you, please, that all of you be speaking the same thing and that there be no factions among you. But that the breaches in your fellowship caused by these factions having been healed, you may remain perfectly united in the sphere of the same mind and in the sphere of the same opinion. For it was made clear to me concerning you, my brethren, by members of Chloe's household, that there are wranglings among you. Now what I mean is this, that each one of you is saying, as for myself, I am a follower of Paul. But as for myself, I am a follower of Apollos. But as for myself, I am a follower of Cephas. But as for myself, I am a follower of Christ. He's talking about factions. The Christ, notice here's what he says. the Christ has been divided into various parts with the present result that He lies there broken up into fragments which are distributed among you. The body of Christ is fragmented in broken parts distributed among you. Isn't that a picture? Is Christ divided? Are you and I the body of Christ? If we are the body of Christ, are we divided? He's saying this is the result of contentions among you. Division, you're not speaking, you don't have the same mind. How is it possible to have the same mind? Very simply, we have the mind of Christ. We fellowship the Spirit of God daily until we find the mind of Christ. If I'm fellowshipping the world, I'll not have the mind of Christ and it will bring wranglings in the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I skipped a bunch of verses. Watch. Verse 12. Paul's still writing, same letter. I'm hurrying because we read this the other night, but I need you to see the flow of the scripture. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Everybody say, not the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is divisive. The spirit of the world is every man for himself. The spirit of the world is not about unity. Now it's sad that some spirits of the world are unifying. God forbid unclean spirits would have more unity than the body of Christ. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. This is how we have the same mind, because we have the spirit of God. And by the spirit of God, we know the things freely given to us of God which things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing... Everybody say comparing. We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We're not comparing natural things. We're not comparing people and places and callings. We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, because they're foolishness to him... Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You show me someone that can't compare spiritual with spiritual. It's because they're walking in the natural. And the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. You can't sort of figure them out. You can't come to learn them. The word is clear. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. He cannot because they're foolishness. You can't know them because they're only discerned spiritually. It's the word. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Remember what he said there in chapter 1? Same mind, same judgment. He that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Not in the natural. Some people twist these scriptures. No man can. No natural man, but spiritual things. Okay? Verse 16, same mind. Remember, 1 Corinthians 1, same mind. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we, everybody say we. We have the mind of Christ. That's how we are of the same mind. Do I have the mind of Christ, or do I have the mind of the world, or do I have my own mind? It'll bring division. The only way to have unity is that we have the same mind. This is why prayer is so important. We don't get the same mind by going, hey, what do you think, Brother Lewis? Hey, what do you think, Sister Autumn? Okay, all right, I'll say the same thing. No, the same mind comes by fellowshipping the head. And if we're faithful to prayer and the Word, He will lead us in the, I, I, I marvel in a wonderful way, not out of shock and surprise. But I marvel that Brother Ben Bass taught last night about unity, and Elder Flowers taught Sunday about unity, and we had taught Saturday morning about unity, and three, what? It's the same mind. Not a one of us got together and compared notes and said, hey, it would be cool if we sort of all. No, the same mind. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to his church. Because he's wanting to add to the church, but I'm telling you this is foundational to him adding to the church the way he wants to. I mean he can add one here and one there and one here and one there. and there can be factions and they'll say, I'm of Paul and they'll say, I'm of Apollo's, or they'll say, I'm of the Rodriguez, but I'm of the Santos, but I'm of the Mancias, but I'm of the Sanchez, but I God forbid. God forbid. we're not gathering men to ourselves. We're letting God place members in the body as it pleases Him. But we must be of the same mind. We must fellowship the Spirit of God in prayer daily. We must find out, am I committed to the cause of Christ above all else? Am I in this with my brother and with my sister, or am I in this for myself alone? The same mind, the same judgment. We're not creating factions or groups or cliques. We're seeking to find a unity of the Spirit. unity of the Spirit comes through fellowship and prayer in the Word. I laugh in a wonderful way at the times along the journey that we have taught or preached about something and different ones, I, I think of times of like Brother Lewis and Sister Julia. Man, older, we just taught that in Bible study this week, and then you preached about it Thursday night, or we taught that in Bible study, and then you talked about it on Sunday. I know those people thought that we came and talked to you, or but no, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The same mind. The same mind in tune with the same spirit. I had somebody reach out to me one time, and... Asked me things about, hey, I got some questions for you. I'm facing this situation. I'd like some counsel. And so I talked with them. And they were like, you know what? They told me this after the fact. You know what? Just the other day, I spoke to so-and-so. They said the same thing. I love that. Same mind. So-and-so didn't call me. And what happened? The same mind. fellowshipping the Spirit of God. Unity. Unity. Skip down to chapter 3. Watch. We want to be spiritual, don't we? We want a spirit of unity. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, And I, this is a continuation, right? We have the mind of Christ. He said, And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual. Oh, how that should pang my heart if I'm the church he was writing to the church remember and he said to the church i could not speak unto you as spiritual but carnal even as unto babes in christ i fed you with milk and not meat because you weren't able to bear it neither now are you able what i'd like to give you deep spiritual things to eat but you're not able so i have to keep feeding you meat or milk I'm bottle feeding you still. This is what Paul's saying. I I know his words sound a lot nicer, but this is really what he said. He said, Brethren, I wanted to come and talk to you about spiritual things, but I couldn't. And even now yet, I can't. And so because of that, I'm feeding you, I'm bottle feeding you milk instead of spiritual things. Because you're not able to receive meat that's what he said verse 3 he gives his insight why can't i receive meat why can't i receive spiritual things here's why paul said you're still carnal for whereas there is among you this is how he said i know you're carnal among you if i say among you, among you. he's talking to the church at corinth he's talking to the church Among the church, the body of Christ. Is Christ divided? Remember, he's asking. Now he's getting a little closer to home. He said, this is how I know I can't bring you spiritual things of any depth or any substance. Because among you, there's envying. There's strife. There's divisions. Are you not carnal? And you walk as men. What? What do you mean I walk as men? Of course I walk as a man. And he repeats what he said in chapter 1. One says, I'm of a Paul. Another, Apollos, are you not carnal? Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered. God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything or he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Get your focus on the right place. God that giveth the increase. Now he that plants and he that waters are one. Notice that. Unity. He that plants and he that waters are one. Who cares who did it? Thank God it got done. We're in it together. He that plants and he that waters are one. Well, no, Brother Lewis planted, but Brother Jimenez had to come along and water. No, they're one. They're one. In the will of God, he planted. In the will of God, he watered. And God, together, the body worked and did what it was supposed to do. And God gave the increase. To God be the glory. Yeah. One. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, notice, for we are laborers, how? Yeah. Together. That doesn't mean we're going everywhere together, doing everything together, hooked at the hip, cookie cutter, everything together. It means we understand our callings are different. Our giftings are different. We're not in competition with one another. We're doing this together. We're going to reach the valleys together. We're going to reach our city together. We're going to reach our workplaces together. Does that mean I'm going to come to work with Sister Priscilla tomorrow at Davis High? I might be tempted, but I'm not going to do it. Does that mean I'm going to hop in the truck with Brother Reuben and go start running wire? Might like to learn, but I'm not going to do it. We'd have a fire and burn somebody's house down. (laughs) No, that's not what he's talking about. He's just saying, hey, wherever he goes, I'm with him. We're we're walking together. I may not walk into Davis tomorrow, but I'll be praying, Lord, let your spirit, the spirit that dwells in me and dwells in my sister, we're one body. Let your spirit reach into that classroom as she opens her mouth, as she walks down the hall, let there be an anointing come upon her. And when she comes and tells me a praise report... I don't go, well, how come that doesn't happen to me? She's probably just fluffing stuff up to make herself sound good. No, I rejoice because we're in it together. We're laborers together. I'm not jealous of her. I'm not envious of her. I may be motivated by, man, sister, pray for me. I want that in my workplace and I haven't entered that yet. Pray for me. I'm not comparing myself. I'm not who she is. You say, well, yeah, but you know what? Let me flip that. Can you imagine if she said, oh my goodness, I sure wish I could teach more Thursday nights like elder does. I don't understand why I don't get to. Now she's a capable teacher. Calling isn't to an elder. Is this making sense? calling why was Paul saying all this about his calling at the beginning because he understood we get our eyes on people's calling and we start measuring against their calling how come I'm not like what are you doing that I how is it that we could I want to be where whoa hold on a minute my calling didn't come from men it came by the will of God. And your calling is just the same. Not the same in calling, but the calling came from the same source. It's the will of God. He has a calling on your life. And you and I have to learn, God, whatever you've called me to, I want to do it with all of my might because it's a place you put me in the body where no one else can feel this place. I don't need to try to be like Sister Priscilla because she's in the body. Can't do what Brother Joel does, and I can fill in any of your name. We need each other in the body. We're laborers together, of the same mind, of the same judgment. That word judgment, there—if you look at it in the Greek, it literally means of the same opinion. You say, "Whoa, hold on a minute, opinion." Literally means we have the same perceptions about things. How does that happen? When we're all so different with different backgrounds and different walks of life and different experiences. I'll tell you how it happened. We have one mind. We are knit together in the body. All of our instruction comes from the head. We are in unity with the Spirit. We are growing up together into Him. We are perfectly joined together. This is my prayer. This must happen for His church to make increase of itself in love. Paul wrote about in Ephesians. We must know. We must pray. We must endeavor, he said in Ephesians 4. We must endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. I want God to bless you. I want God to use you. I want His anointing upon you. I want His calling manifested through your life. And I'm not going to begrudge you when He does it. I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to find ways to support you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to come alongside you because you're my brother and you're my sister and we are laborers together with God. I'm not in competition with you. Not in comparison. With you. I'm in the body of Christ with you. Is Christ. Divided. Is Christ. Divided. Is the body of Christ broken apart and distributed out because there's dissension and envying and strife. Go back to verse three. Paul addresses some things right here. It hinders your ability to receive spiritual things. I have been in services here, multiple places, not just here, multiple places where I've ministered and I've had people come up and say, man, that was just for me. What the Lord ministered today, that was for me. What you said about, Man, I don't remember saying that, but okay, praise God. Uh, And then I'd have somebody else come up, what you said, that was just for me. What you talked about. And I'm thinking, man, I didn't even get that out of. That's awesome that you got that out. That's powerful. Praise God. Thanks for sharing that. And in the same room, I've had people in a conversation go, yeah, that must have been for somebody else. I didn't really get much out of that. Now understand, everything's not for everybody. But sometimes what happens is the spirit of God is ministering but we're hearing with our carnal ears because there's envy and strife and divisions. And so the very word of God that you and I need to hear to minister to our spirit is not getting to its designed destination in our life because of these things. You're saying, I wish God would just talk to me God says, I'm trying, but you've got envy and strife and division. And so what you're going to do is you're going to go to somebody and you're going to, I'm I'm trying to be careful. You're going to go to somebody and you're going to reveal that you're a baby that needs milk. Because you're going to whine. Hear me. I'm not saying we don't go through stuff and we need to talk to people. You understand the difference. I'm talking about the ability to receive spiritual things from God and what hinders that in our lives. If I let envy and strife or division get in any part of my thoughts, my spirit, it begins to hinder my ability to receive spiritual things, thereby destroying unity in the body. So in order for there to be unity of spirit, I must first deal with these things in any area that they are in my life. Is this making sense? You still want unity? You still want unity? Remember, it's where he commands the blessing. Remember, it's good. It's pleasant. It's like anointing oil. It's like dew. I want it. But I've got to submit these things that can get into my life through the years if I'm not careful. So that we can be perfectly joined together. What is envying? I'm glad you asked. Contentious rivalry. You ever had a rivalry? Two people going at it. A rivalry speaks of one thing, competition. I like the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm not going to cry if they lose. I'm not that vested. But they have a big rival. And when they come together, it's a big deal. It's all about competition. Competition, competition. The word envying there is a contentious rivalry, a contentious competition. That happens in the church. How in the world? Why would I ever get in competition with Brother Lewis? Why would Brother Lewis ever get in competition with Brother Jacinto? I'm just picking people's names out of random here. Why why would we get in competition? I don't know. It's our human nature our human nature. Paul said that's envying. It's contentious rivalry, and the Greek uses another word here. Here's what else he said is envying. Jealousy. Jealousy. You know, it's easy for jealousy to creep in. You can find the weirdest of ways and the silliest of things. And that's sort of funny how that works sometimes. Like, when brother Ruben gets to open service so often here lately. I've never been asked to do that. Oh, wouldn't that be a silly thing to be jealous over? I mean, wouldn't it? I wish I was as good as Brother Ruben so Elder would ask me to open service. By the way, I 99% of the time, I don't choose who opens service. <laughs> I've delegated that. (laughs) I have veto power if I need to, but I've delegated that. Wouldn't that be a silly thing to be jealous about? That's what that word is, envy. Jealousy. Paul said, this affects your ability to receive spiritual things. Strife contention there's that word again contention keeps coming up tension contention Ah, i don't know why i want to get around brother joel you know just a little i gotta one-up him a little bit i gotta prove i'm as good as he is i gotta contentious rivalry oh subtle passive aggressive statement towards my brother i mean i know this never happens in the church If any of this sounds even close to home, I've got to take it to the cross and lay myself on the altar and say, God, I don't want any of it in my heart or my spirit. I will not envy my brother or my sister. I will rejoice with them. Divisions it's interesting the greek word there it literally means to stand apart it doesn't mean like separate myself unto the lord it means like you know what i'll just stick to myself I'm not hurting anybody i'm not saying any... oh yes you are you're hurting the body of christ It's an attitude and a spirit. And it's subtle. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. I, I'll tell you something. I'm being careful here. but I, I'm trusting your hearing in the Holy Ghost, but I, I'm trying to give you some hypothetical examples to make you think about how subtle some of these things can be that we might gloss over. I can tell you not proudly, but sadly, in several of the United services along the way over the last several years, okay? I know we just had one recently, but I'm talking like over the last several years. I know you're... We call it united, (laughs) right? So we can all come together and be united. And and God has done wonderful things, Amen? amen? Ministered, we've seen great multiple times over the last several years something has come up where somebody was bothered about about not getting to do some certain thing when somebody else did after the fact and i'm like are you serious how does this happen envy strife and divisions so I have to be aware of those things so that I go, see, usually I'm going, well, you know what? Brother Joel, if he'd do his part, we'd have unity. say, Brother Joel, I cover three of us real quick. That's sort of nice. No, what I've got to do is, Brother Joel, if he'd do his part, if I'd do my part, we'd have unity. But you see the very fact that I would like to point to somebody else is an indicator that I need him to examine me and deal with my heart. This Joel right here. I want unity. I want unity. I want the commanded blessing of God in my life. amen he commands a blessing you know it's interesting we used to play pickup basketball in school and uh i had a best friend in in sixth grade his name was mark scott uh and mark scott was athletic I was fairly athletic for that time. In sixth grade, however athletic you can be in sixth grade. And so, um, when we played basketball, Mark Scott and I were usually the first two people chosen. Mark was always first, if he wasn't a captain, and I was always second. Now, that didn't last very long after sixth grade, but at least in sixth grade, I, <laughs> competition got a lot stiffer pretty quick. <laughs> but... You ever ever been in one of those situations, you're like, pick me, pick me? There was this one kid, I can't even remember his name now, but I sort of see his face. Poor guy always wanted to be picked, and nobody wanted to pick him. Isn't that terrible? I wasn't very Christ like then. I mean, I had the Holy Ghost, but I wanted to win. (laughs) I say that lightheartedly. But there's two sides of that that creep into our spirit that brings disunity. One is pick me, pick me, pick me. Who chooses? God chooses. God chooses. I know there's the idea sometimes, well, elder picks and chooses. I really do try to hear from God. I really do. I really do. Do I think I get it right all the time? Goodness, no. But I really do. I don't want to put myself in the place of God picking and choosing. What do I do? i tell you what I do. I try to recognize when God illuminates someone or calling or gifting and timing. I try to recognize when God illuminates that. And I may say something or I may not. I may just watch and wait and see and listen. Sometimes I'll watch situations where I recognize calling or gifting on somebody, and then I'll watch them start going through stuff, and I'm like, yep, we're going to find out. Now, I don't look at that and go, ha-ha, we're going to find out. I look at that and go, oh, dear God, give them strength to walk through. Because you're taking them somewhere. you got a plan for their life. you got destiny set on them. Let them make the journey. God chooses. We trust his choosing. But the other side of that, besides the pick me, is, man, I just want to win. i got to lose that. This isn't about me winning. I want us to win. Together. Laborers together with God. That's unity. Pray with me. Please. Jesus, in your name, we desire the unity of your spirit. I say, search out my heart, oh God. Search my mind and my thought and my motives. Search every part of me, God. I don't want anything in my spirit or in my thoughts that would hinder the unity of the body of Christ. I want to be perfectly joined together by your design, oh Lord, that you could and would add to the church daily such as should be saved in the name of jesus i pray forgive me where i've competed or compared myself with my brother or sister forgive me where i've given room to envy rivalry and jealousy in any way Forgive me when I should have rejoiced with my brother, but instead I complain, what about me? Oh, I want unity. I humble myself before you, Lord. I pray for unity of spirit. I know it starts with your spirit working in me, your blood washing through me, your word cleansing my mind and my thoughts uh, that I would have the mind of Christ, oh Lord, along with my brother and sister. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I repent before you, Lord, of any element, any element that would hinder unity in the body. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I have been, stay with me, I'm aware of the time. I have been working with a group of young men. That's not a surprise to you. You've been hearing from some of these young men ministering. Brother Ruben, Brother Ethan, Brother Renee, Brother Jacinto, you've been hearing from them, teaching or speaking periodically. They are not in some club. They are not some exclusive group. It's a time and a season. It's a time and a season. God gives times and seasons with men and with women. And I I realize I'm sort of setting them up for darts now that I've called their names out. Because many of you had no idea I've been spending some time with them the last few. (laughs) But I'm trying to fulfill my responsibility to the Word of God. Paul told Timothy to take those things that you've learned of me, whereof there's been other witnesses, and commit those things to faithful men who can teach others also. Paraphrasing, but that's 2 Timothy 2 and 2 if you want to read it later. The verse that follows is verse 3, and it goes right in hand with that. It says, and endure hardness as a good soldier. (laughs) Oh, so when you start trying to commit some things to faithful men to teach others, you're going to endure some hardness. What's the hardness? I'll tell you what the hard part of the hardness is. I've realized you're going to have to deal with people that are going to be jealous, envious, and divisive. Shouldn't be in the body of Christ. Do I think that those four young men are the only ones that are needful of the things we're doing right now, or the only ones that have such calling? Oh, not at all. Not at all. It's just what God is illuminated right now. You want Bible for that? We need. We need to get this concept. We need to understand this because it creeps into the body. How come they're using them, but not me? Why this? You know what it is? It's comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. Paul said, "You measure yourself amongst yourself, and that is not wise." Why is it not wise? Because my measure is not with brother Israel. The only one that can measure me is him. My measure is to the calling and direction of God for my life. It's not to how he uses brother Israel or not. His measure is to him. We don't Measure ourselves amongst ourselves. Our measure is... Our responsibility to God, and when we're in right relationship with Him, He measures, He enriches us, He affirms us, He lets us know we're walking in His calling. He helps us understand. Doesn't mean we always enjoy what He's taking, but we endure, we go forward. But watch, anybody ever read the Book of Acts? Raise your hand if you've ever read the Book of Acts. Wave it so I'll know. Oh, look at that! So many of us. Acts chapter six, we find an interesting, interesting passage of Scripture. Acts chapter six tells us that. That in a certain day, the days of the church, that there was the church was multiplying is what was happening. If you read about great things are happening in the book of Acts, he says, and what happens is that there was a murmuring that arose in the church. And the murmuring was again between the Grecians and the Hebrews because the widows, the Grecians felt like their widows were being neglected in the daily ministry, the daily service to these widows. And the Grecians felt like, you know what? The Jew widow, the Jewish widows are getting more attention from the church because they're Jewish. And over here, we've got widows that are Greek. They're not Jewish, and they're not getting the same attention. And so there's this murmuring. Isn't that funny? So you thought the problem was in the book of Acts. So the apostles got together and said, oh, you know what? It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and save tables. Now, I'm sure there were some people in the church in that day where they're going, well, Peter, why don't you come out here and start serving these Grecians? James and John, come on. You can help us serve these Grecians. I saw you once serving the Jewish ladies, widows. Oh, you don't think they were as human as we are? Sure they were. Watch what the apostles said. They said, look, there's a need here. But there's not reason, this is not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. So they said, appoint you out, anybody know how many? Seven. Seven. Appoint you out seven men that we can appoint over this matter. Is that what the Bible says? And here's some qualifiers for them. There are qualifiers, they need to be full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. There you go. We got to have an honest report. So their lifestyle has to be one of honesty. They got a life that shows honesty. And people say that about them. It's a report. And so they did. They got seven men, Philip, Timon, Nicanor. You can read them in there, Stephen. There's others. Now, here's what's interesting about that. I have a question for you. At this point, there had been, we know at least from Acts chapter 2 and 3, there had been 3,000 and 5,000 added to the church besides the 120. So you've got at least 8,120 that have been added to the church. Probably more because this is already the sixth chapter right now. I think there's more, you know, Ananias and Sapphira are gone. They died in the fifth chapter because they lied to the Holy Ghost. So stuff's happening here. The church has been growing, multiplying. You with me? You know why Ananias and Sapphira died, right? Because they wanted to look like somebody in the body that they weren't. Because they saw what somebody else looked like when they did what God gave them to do. And they wanted to look the way somebody else looked. Peter said, when it was in your hand to do, do it. Why? Comparing. Okay, back to chapter 6. So they they found these seven men. I have a question for you. Honest, real question, okay? Out of 8,120, let's assume there were no more. Out of 8,120, do you think those were the only seven men? That fit the criteria that were capable of doing what needed to be done. Anybody believe those were the only seven men capable that God would have was able to use for that? No, I don't think so either. So, were the people that chose those seven playing favorites? No, there was a need. These were the seven illuminated. They got those seven. They prayed for them. Said, "Go do the work. Let's go." I don't know why they didn't pick me. My name's better than Nicanor. What kind of name is that anyway? Oh, I'm sure there was no such childish thought in the church in those days. Talking about unity. I'm talking about unity. We got to crush that spirit fault idea or attitude of well why not me how come i don't understand it seems like well no no it was in the Bible. they chose seven because they needed seven at the time trust me if there was somebody that wasn't chosen i bet their day came oh and by the way here's a thought for you and i if they weren't one of those seven do you think the apostle said If we did not name one of you seven, you cannot go and ever serve widows. So here's the question. Can you walk in your calling if nobody else knows but you and God? Or do you need somebody to see it so you get some recognition? Unity, unity, I want unity. And these things I'm talking about, the reason we're talking about them is because those are the things we have to guard our spirit against because they try to creep in. I know how the adversary worked. He bombards our mind with thoughts and we look and and we compare and we measure It destroys unity. Stand with me so I'll finish. Please. I want unity. And I believe you do too. But we have to guard against these things. And they're subtle. They're not big and in your face generally. They're subtle. And it's a small conversation. Sometimes we try to be really... Subtle spiritual, but we're really subtle passive-aggressive. Hey, Brother Lewis, have you you noticed that, like, Brother Ruben's opening services a lot? I wonder why that is. Any idea? Oh, I think it's great, don't you? I just wonder. Yeah, I mean, you know, how come you haven't in a while? What's, you know? Little dig, little dig, little dig. Oh, it's just a subtle little word, a soft exchange. Oh, I didn't mean anything by, oh no, I love them. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that destroy unity. It's the little things that come in and divide between a brother and a brother. Or a brother and a sister, dividing, separating, pushing apart, so there's no unity, and God can't command a blessing. I am not in competition with you, I'm gonna be your biggest supporter if you're walking in your calling. If you're walking in your calling. Can you put Proverbs 6 on the board, Brother Jerry, quickly? Proverbs 6 and 16. I want you to watch this. Church, we must pray for unity. I'm asking us to make June a month where we give ourselves to praying for the unity of the Spirit of God. He is wanting to add to the church. I want you to pray for it in the local congregation. I want you to pray for it in our congregations across the state. I want you to pray for it in them individually and in us collectively. I want us to pray for unity. I rejoice when I hear that they baptize souls in Union Gap. I rejoice. I don't know. Oh, let's see how many we got. How many? God forbid. Let's rejoice. We're reaching together. Let's pray together. Let's work together. Let's be laborers together. Watch. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift, running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies. In case you're paying attention, twice he mentioned lying as something he hates. That's just a side note. Leave that verse right there, Brother Jerry. And... This is something the Lord hates. He, this is is one of the few places or rare places in Scripture where you find that says the Lord hates a he or a she. Have you ever noticed that before? He that soweth discord among brethren. Is there anything coming out of my mouth that could be divisive in any way? That could cut and separate in any way? That could put a brother against a brother or a sister? Is there anything that would the Lord hates he that sows discord among his brethren? I love it. I was talking with an individual that's fairly new. And somebody made a statement to them about me. And they called me and apologized. Not the person that made the statement, the person that they made the statement to. Called me. And said, Elder, I'm sorry. I said some things I shouldn't have said to that person when they said stuff about you. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I cursed them out. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I don't condone. Them. <laughs> it's sort of lighthearted. We're 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 coming together. But they had an attitude that said, Hold on a minute. That's my brother. Forget forget that it was me. That's my brother. Don't go cussing each other out. It's my brother. That's my sister. They may not be perfect, but neither am I. But we're gonna be perfectly joined. They got their flaws, maybe. I'm not focused on theirs. I got enough of my own to fix. Amen. Amen. I'm going to come alongside him. You don't know if you're spiritual or not. Galatians 6. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, you, which are spiritual, what do you do? Restore such a one. Point it out, tell a few other people so they can come along and help you. That's not what it says. Restore them. Restore them. Restore them. What are you restoring them to? You're restoring them to their place in the body of Christ. You're helping them to be restored to their rightful place in the body. How is it their rightful place? Because God placed them. Oh, it's late. I'm not apologizing. I know what time it is. If your spouse is here, I would like you with your spouse right now. Please. And if you're physically able, I would like you to join hands together. Please. Spouse means your husband or your wife in case. (laughs) Some of you are delaying, I sensed, and so I thought of it. I know you don't mean I'm messing with you. Hear me. Hear me. The first place the adversary seeks to bring division or jealousy or strife is in the first place that God said, These two shall be one. It's the first place. I'm still waiting on my wife to come and take my hand. (laughs) Awkward. No, I'm just messing. Love my wife. We must pray for unity in our marriages. And it's the same thing, the mind of Christ. Not, well, I want my way. No, no mind of Christ in our home. I want the mind of Christ in our ministry. I want us to pray right now, husband and wife. Now, I realize many of you are standing here and you don't have a spouse with you or you don't have a spouse yet. Pray for us. If you have a spouse and they're not here, pray like they're standing there holding your hand right now. Okay? And let's pray together. Maybe if you're wanting a spouse and you ain't got one, pray, God, give me one that can be in unity with you and me. Lord Jesus, in your name today, I thank you for the sanctity of marriage. I pray unity, the same mind and the same judgment as husband and wife in our marriage. As we walk together in ministry, we may have different callings and giftings as individuals but you have placed us together perfectly. Let us be perfectly joined together where the adversary would seek occasion to divide. I take authority over any spirit of division and I pray unity in our homes and in our marriages, Lord, that you would be glorified in them and through them, that our marriages would be a testimony to the world of a home knit together in love of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we desire and seek after unity of spirit, the same mind, the same judgment, perfectly joined according to the will and the word of God. Search my heart, my thoughts, God. Let it be according to your will and your design, I pray. In the name of Jesus, 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 hallelujah, let any action or attitude of my heart that brings division in my marriage reveal it, Lord, I submit it to you in humility and I pray a heart and attitude of repentance before you, God, Whereby my wife and I walk together in unity of spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now You can't just pray that tonight. You got to pray that every day. In some way, form or fashion, you got to pray that every day. We need unity. It starts in the home. Start. Why do you think the adversary wants you upset at each other on the way to church? Because if he can get you upset at each other, and then two upset people that are part of the body come together. If you've got two or three couples that are upset at each other in the middle of a Sunday morning service, see how that works. Unity. Unity. We're gonna stay on this not tonight. I'm gonna to let you go tonight. The Holy Ghost has to do such a work in us. Here's why. He's going to add to the church, and he can't risk adding souls in any multiplic- I can't. Even, I don't know if the, what the word would be in any form of multiplication, exponentially. If there's not unity, oh, he, there may be one added here, one added there, and one added here, but he can't add till there's unity. Amen. Do you want unity in the body? I do. Thank you for raising your hand, brother Raphael. My hand's with you. I like that. That's how I'm committed. Amen. Would you greet your brother or sister tonight? You're dismissed in the beautiful name of